Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is May the 10th, 2023, at 8 p.m. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by Brandon Beaver. Brandon with a new haircut, Beaver. What's going on, man? I just got a new haircut, that's all. A little bit more breezy on my head right now. So so for those of you who... Uh, uh, which is everybody who really can't see us. Uh, Brandon had full head hair of locks, and he decided to join me in uh, shaving the head all the way down. Uh, I do mine not by choice. Uh, I don't, you know, you're doing yours by choice today. So <laughs> it's gonna be like that Seinfeld episode when I decide to grow it back, and I realize I'm actually bald. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you go. There you go. Well, I appreciate the support, man. I appreciate the support joining us bald guys in uh in in that regard. Thank you. We we need the more the merrier. Make us feel accepted. Um <laughs> How is everything else, man? How's uh, how's everything going? Doing all right. I think spring and summer has finally hit, man. I mean, that's it's the warmer temperatures, uh you know, I mean, I I know this is stock investment and I I'm, you know, I just thought of this, you know, the warmer temperatures here in the Midwest, is that going to make people want to start traveling more, get outside and start doing those things more? Are we finally going to see the airlines? So They've been happy. raising rates forever. I just got so tired of walking out to my car and it being frozen over in April. Yeah. Mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we, we, we finally, finally have broke through that. So now my AC is running constantly. So there you go. Turned, we just now turned ours on. <laughs> really? Just trying to save money. Uh, yeah. It well. was like 80 degrees in the house during the day, even though it was like 75 outside. But at night it was like 60. So. Yeah, that's not bad, man. Oh, no, I just leave mine running, man. Right? Like I can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Anyways. Anyways, we actually do have stock and investment news to talk about. Uh, so let's say, what do you say we get into it? Rules, rules, rules. Uh, Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion here on the show. Brandon has the meat of the program today, as always, because he comes prepared and does lots of research, and I am the slacker that I am. So, Brandon, lead us off. Take us away. Dave, you're probably going to use chat GPT to write the next episode. I am now. I might do that just to, just to upend you once and say, hey, look how much research I did. We're barred. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, before we actually get into the things that I told you I was going to talk about. Oh, you're going to surprise me or something. Here we yeah, go. Real quick, I mean, we had 4.9% CPI come in today. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that it, number. It beat expe- expectations by, you know, like 0.1% or something like that. So kind of flat, but, you know, it, and I think everybody kind of expected, including me even, to the, the stock market to rally pretty hard off of that today. But I, I think actually like people are kind of approaching this with the right mindset and that like, okay, well, now we got to kind of worry about what's on the other end of this. Inflation's coming down. Does that mean that we're going to have a recession? So where do we go from here, right? Because if we're going to have a recession, people started, I think, piling into the uh, big tech fang stocks, which in the past, you know, like basically 15 years, they've proved to be a safe haven. Um, 
I think they're going to actually, I, I disagree with you. I think they're going to pile more into like the new spinoff from John Johnson and Johnson, which is uh, um, everyday products that we, we use well, every single day. But, and, and no, but like, so just, just based off today, what happened like to Procter and Gamble, I think would be a good play off of that. But what happened today was that like the FANG stocks outperformed just today. So, well, and that had to do with Google's uh, news, which I know you're going to get into and chat and the, the AI and all that is is moving people were looking for someplace and that's the hot market right now and that's that's the macro side uh, of the stock and investment which is the side I, I tend to live in more often than not is the macro and the news of the day and I think that's what you're seeing Brandon is people are just piling into that because that's what's hot that's what's on the lips that's what everybody's talking about yes we had a brief break from that today with the inflation data coming out and people really digging into that a little bit. Inflation's coming down. Um, I know what you're leading to. You're leading to the fact that inflation drops at a, a few months after the Fed's raised the rates, right? There's a delay oh. response in, in inflation. So with inflation dropping so heavy, so quick, you know, just a couple, a few months ago, we we're still at 7% and now we're dropping down to 4.9. You're worried that because the Fed was still cutting rates, um, that we're going to go down and go into a deflation very quickly rather than a, a smoother transition to that. Right. Um, I think we might touch deflation. I don't think we're going to stay there for any particular period of time. I think we'll just touch it and go. Um, and so that, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, I, I don't see a heavy recession until, until the, uh, the federal government, uh, starts making people start making student loan payments again because everybody's been using that discretionary income to float the economy right now. And when you have to start making that 500, 600 or, you know, more uh, student loan payment again, there goes all that discretionary money gone. And now people can't afford to go out to eat or buy those extra gifts that they are buying right now. I was unaware that people were actually paying back their student loans. <laughs> I think anybody was actually doing that. <laughs> Really, really, we're gonna go there. I, I just want to say, for the sake of anyone listening, yes, I paid mine off. I had student loans, and I paid mine off completely, all, all of them, before I turned thirty years old. Um, so, it, I think that's going to be more of a a problem, uh, Brandon, is when that happens. And I think, unfortunately, the current administration, I believe, is, and I hate to say this because I we we try to stay apolitical on the show. We do our very very best. But I believe the current administration is playing politics with this and trying to stretch that out until after the election. And I, I don't think that's the right thing to do because you're just delaying uh, a problem. You're, it's given longer time. People don't have to make the payment because once they start having to make the payment, now it's a big issue. You're going to see complaints and angry and anger and all kinds of things happen because of it. And it's going to cause a lot of ripple in the stock and investment world that we live in. And it's gonna it's gonna really hurt a lot of those discretionary names. Um, I think you'll you'll you know something like Darden Restaurants would be something you might want to not own at that time. Yeah, you might be right about that. Now, on the other hand, getting into this, if number one, I think first of all, even after sort of the Nasdaq rally over the past two months, if you're looking at stocks that have been really, really, really beaten down, tech is still kind of in that area, right? So I think I think you might be having, you know, still a little bit more of a relief balance here, too. But also at the same time, if there is a soft landing. The one thing 
that will absolutely, like, in my opinion, just a blow-your-face off rally if it's a soft landing. What tends to outperform if interest late, interest rates plateau and inflation goes down and, um, you know, there's no recession or anything like that or no, no like, steep recession or anything, it's going to be tech. Okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying there's going to be a soft landing. I'm not going back on my position. I still. I still think that it's possible, but it's. It's you know. It's still. I think like. You know, probably going to have a hard landing, in my opinion. But are you hashtag meta in it, or are you uh, like doing semiconductors? Where are we going with this tech? Are we doing the hard side of it with the semiconductors, such as Nvidia, Intel, AMD, Micron? Uh, Taiwan, or are we going with like you know the software side of uh, Google and uh, Meta and you know Apple? Well, and Apple's kind of both. As much as much as I'd like to get back into Taiwan semiconductors, I still have the position that it's too much, but too much uh, um, of a uh, exposure to China and the situations that are going on over there. So just kind of stay away from Taiwan semiconductors. Now, I think you just go with the basics and with you know Nvidia could be on that list. You have to have the stomach to be able to handle that kind of volatility, but NVIDIA is on that list, I think. But I think the basics, the FANG stocks, like the Apples, the Googles, even Netflix at this point, I mean, I probably would be my last choice just because a little bit of a higher valuation and it's gone crazy over the past couple of months. Um, but in that scenario, I mean... I mean, you were saying that, like, you know, the, the discretionaries. And so I think Apple's kind of discretionary now for a lot of people. Or not discretionary. It's kind of a staple now for a lot of people. Um, okay. All right. So you, you say that, and it is a staple, but um, how do I put this? So I have a daughter. I have a teenage daughter, right? We all know this. I've talked about it on the show. Her her phone and her uh, uh her accounts that she has with Apple, a lot of it's paid for by her parents. And if, as a parent, if I have to start cutting things that I'm paying for, I'm cutting that extra storage to, to that phone. You know, I'm not going to continue paying that monthly fee to Apple music or Apple podcasts. I'm going to have to make uh, my, my, my kids start paying for that if they want it. You know, that's something as a parent I would cut. It also goes back, though, to like my point a little bit of, of people's kind of seeing some of the fang names as being safety. Even if you do cut it, Apple's got like $95 billion amount of cash sitting on the sidelines. They can get through it and then you'll pick it back up once the economy picks back up and you don't have to cut it anymore. Well, I want to say this. Apple has more than uh, 95. They have over $100 billion, but they're spending yeah. $90 billion of it this year on buybacks. So that, that cash pile is going to be uh, cut in half, probably, uh, if not more. I don't know their exact cash pile, but it's going to be a lot of it taken out for buybacks. Okay. So there goes 90 billion of, of their cash pile. It is a shareholder that just increases your ownership too. At the same time. I don't know if I like that, that number, but I don't like, I don't like that use of $90 billion. I say maybe $10 billion for buybacks. Uh, I would rather you invest that into the company somehow and grow something or come up with some new technology or maybe, you know, purchase, Matt, purchase Intel for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's Seriously. A plethora of, of these announcements of buybacks. So, you know, Meta with a $40 billion buyback program. Um, Berkshire just announced, a, I think it's like a $30 billion buyback program. But, I mean, that's another mountain of cash right there. And we'll get into that. That's my second uh, topic for today. 
My first topic here is actually that we're going to get, this is actually what I talked to you about, Dave. This is what I all <laughs> told you. So Google, all right, they had their uh, their investor event. And I, I just want to warn you that 95% of about what I'm about to say, I don't care about. But most of the people listening to this and, and most of the people like in the world do. So I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about it anyways. All right. So Google is expecting the number of cars with Google built in to double by the end of this year. This will be brands like Chevrolet, Renault, Volvo, Polestar, Honda, and Mercedes. So they're going to have, you know, the Google Assistant, the Maps, and Google Play all integrated into it. They're also going to have games. Uh, so games from Game Snack, uh, smaller games like Solitaire, Beach Buggy, you know, stuff that you used to play on the computer that used to come on your old PCs. That's what we need is is games on our car screen while we're yeah. driving. So Let me play some solitaire right? while I'm going down I-75. <laughs> so for everybody that has been skeptical about self-driving cars, I think reading this is making me think, I think we'll be better off with self-driving cars. Yes, we would be. And uh, we got to get to an area where we all feel safe with them. But yeah. I mean, we're getting there slowly. It does make that, like, you know, that what hour or whatever it would take to charge an electric vehicle, it, it will make it go by a little bit faster, at least. YouTube's also going to be available on all Google built-in cars uh, this year. Um, they're working with Cisco, Microsoft, Teams, and Zoom. They're going to enable conferencing uh, in the cars. Another reason why self-driving cars need to come soon. Um, Google results with AI. Uh, they're going to start making this available to select people in the United States. You're going to have to apply for a wait list. You're going to be a part of what's called Search Lab, where they'll be able to test out how the product is working, and you'll be able to give feedback. Um, Bard is now available for everybody to use, so that's kind of the chat GPT equivalent, but in some ways a little bit better. You can now make AI images with Bard, so you can tell it, like, hey, paint me a sunset or whatever, and it'll do it. Um and you can also do the reverse search too, like you've been able to do on, on Google's desktop uh, search engine for a while. You can reverse the uh, uh, image, do a reverse image search. So put an image on it and then it'll tell you what the image is. Yeah, I know. I don't care about any of this either, Dave. But <laughs> No, no. It's, so look, look. All right. Let me just interrupt you here, man. I'm Look, about I, to get what I do. I'm about to get to what I do care about, though. So, and, and something that could make money for them. But go ahead. All right. Oh, the the chat AIs and the GBT AIs and the Bard AIs and that's all. That's all fun. It's good, and there are some uses for this, right? That's not what AI um, is actually being used for in actual industry and in actual uh, business nowadays. Let me give you an example. This is just an example. So there's a lot of biopharmaceutical companies use AI. Here's how they use AI. When they want to run formulas and calculations for whether or not a certain uh, chemical formula is going to react the way that they think it's going to react to solve this disease and cure this problem, they, they, they run it through an AI system, and the AI system will run through all these different scenarios with it and come up with the best possible uh, cases and give and give its reason for it, and it does it overnight. That same that same process would take us humans, you know, months to do. And so that's how AI is being used in business. 
They're not using it to sit there and say, hey, AI, how are you? What do you think about this? No, they're using it to run programs and softwares for them and come to uh, solutions and uh, processes faster than what we can do. And that's what uh, business is using AI for. This chat GPT AI is fun. It's great. There are some uses for it. You can use it for business. But, you know, it's 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 not, I guess, unless you're running an ad on it, there's not much uh, way to make money off of it for Google's sake. So here's one way. This is what caught my eye. It can code in 20 plus programming uh, languages. And it can also explain to the person where the code came from and how the code works. So I can ask it to code something for me. Yes. Write me a code for XYZ and it will do it. Yep. It said 20 plus programming languages. So is this why, so here's my question then, and here's my thought, and you'll see where I'm going with this. So when IBM says that they're halting hiring and they're going to go ahead and replace 3,500 employees with AI, they're talking about, you know, some of these employees are probably engineers and coders because we no longer need people to do that. We can just have this computer run these programs and say, this is what I want the program to do, write the code, and they will go ahead and write the code for us. Yeah, <laughs> but right? he's saying in the end, if that saves money for the company, that's just going to wind up creating more jobs down the line anyways, as they want to go into new and in other avenues. So, I mean, so yeah. you, you say it saves money, but in uh, er, early episode of this uh, show, guys, look it up. If you don't, I went into detail on the numbers. I broke it down. It's about NVIDIA and how much it costs, how, how much NVIDIA is charging companies for the chips that these companies need, this is not something they prefer. This is something they need to run these AI programs, all right? Um, so is it really saving money when these companies are paying NVIDIA billions and billions of dollars to get these servers and chips and everything up and running? I think NVIDIA is the real winner here if this is a route that like these companies are going. It has to be. And there's going to be so many losers in the AI thing. And, and you'll probably see companies and stocks overreact to it. Companies will probably fire people like or lay them off and then later on realize I probably need a person doing this job. Um, but but the winners in the end, I mean, like you're not going to lose with NVIDIA on that. It's not going to happen because they're going to need them anyways, no matter what. Yeah, right now. I mean, we also on a the, the very next week, I covered some of NVIDIA's competitors that are up and coming, but they nowhere have the infrastructure in place, not even close to the infrastructure in place that NVIDIA does to produce these these servers and chips. And so I think the closest competitor to NVIDIA is two years out, I would say, from being an actual competitor in, in this space. And then this uh, why I wish the you know the China situation didn't exist because the fact of the matter is is that 67% of those chips are manufactured by Taiwan semiconductors. But you know once again it's the you know the China situation that hangs right over it. And I just I don't like to be surprised so i don't want to wake up tomorrow and then have uh you know china's president Xi say something that sends my stock going down that i didn't expect it and see that could happen when the video so we say nvidia is a great play but that can happen when the video because yeah, we saw does. this before we saw this before with the the terrorists of the previous administration and what happened was the video was unable to ship what they needed from the u.s to china in fact uh, because their tariffs were going back and forth, and Ch uh, NVIDIA needed those supplies in order to finish building their chips in China. 
And, and then what happens if if you know our imports from from Taiwan slow down? Then that hurts everybody. So, right. Uh, so back to Google AI. You're saying that this is how uh, Google is going to make money, make it profitable. This Chat GPT, uh, and you know, I mean, they are using AI for other things, but like this is the way that they're going to profit off this. I mean, honestly, this is the way that they'll make money off of it. I don't know if they'll profit off of it. I don't, it's not the reason why I bought Google. I bought Google because of Google. Right. I mean, That's Google's profit margin is just yeah. outrageous. People don't understand their profit margin, guys. It is, it is, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So, like, yeah, it uh, it doesn't take much to produce the product uh, versus how much Google pulls in off their product. So, so speaking of ridiculous earnings, Berkshire <laughs> Hathaway on Saturday reported a six times jump in earnings year over year for the for for their quarter. $35.5 billion in earnings compared to 5.6 last year. That's because they started listening to the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. <laughs> and what we say on the show four, three to four weeks later, Charlie Munger or Buffett would say. So I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> Allegheny Insurance, right? Right. 30, yeah, see? $31.1 billion came from insurance operations. Now, to be fair, these are mostly unrealized gains, and Warren Buffett would say they're meaningless because he, he tries to talk that stuff down. But I don't think it's $35.5 billion, not meaningless. That's well, all right. So, all right, un let me let me break this down for people who are new and listening and don't really fully that you, you haven't been trading that long, you haven't been investing that long. Unrealized gains. So, let me talk about this. Give me one minute, and I can explain this. I buy stock ABC for $10 a share, right? I have X amount, thousands of shares if it doesn't matter, right? I buy it for $10 a share. I, I well, Let's say I have 1,000 shares. Make the math easy because I'm not that smart. So all of a sudden, this XYZ company uh, goes up to uh, 20 bucks a share, right? Mm -hmm. I had 1,000 shares. So in, real, in, in, in theory, I now am $10,000 richer because of the, 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 how much that stock moved up. But because I've never, I haven't sold that company yet, those gains are not realized. <clears throat> that's what we mean by unrealized gains meaning it's the 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 stock has moved up my net worth has moved up but i haven't sold that stock yet to actually cash out and take my profit off the table that i made on that company so warren buffett is saying until i take that profit these aren't real gains and i haven't really fully made the money on this yet so he's kind of being modest here uh, but he's also being consistent because when they had unrealized losses at some point last year, he said the same thing, right? But Warren Buffett's one of the only people that I would discount the unrealized losses, but then still pay more attention to the unrealized gains because a lot of the stocks that he bought undervalued have come to value and, and the gain, the earnings have come to fruition. And, um, you know, he also says at the same time that, you know, if you never have to sell a stock, you never have to pay the taxes on it. So take that into the count too, you know. So unrealized gains, sure, like the, the you can say, well, that's because he hasn't sold a stock, but he hasn't paid the taxes because he hasn't sold the stock either. And he hasn't had to sell the stocks that he owns because the underlying reasons for buying them have not changed. Right. And, you know, and also you have that risk of, uh, let's say that, let's go back to the example that, uh, that, that company I bought and now it's at $20 a share. It drops back down to 15. 
So now my net worth drops back down. And that's why he's like saying like, this isn't real yet until I sell because that stock could come back down. And then I really didn't make as much as I thought I was. So he's, he is being modest. He is being conservative in his wording and approach. And we understand it. Um, but, you know, he, he has still done a magnificent job of, of, of leading that company. I believe a lot of people underneath him are making the calls now, like you said, because of the investments in Apple and other companies that have really shown that he's allowing other people to uh, really run the ship and he's just kind of leading the way and overviewing. Yeah. So the metric that he wants us to pay attention to here is the operating earnings, which were up 12% from the previous year. Uh, they're at, billion. And that's pure cash. That's why he wants you to look at that rather than the, you know, volatile and unrealized, you know, gains or losses or whatever. I mean, 8 billion in operating earnings is pretty good. I'll take that. I'll take it too. Um, (laughs) I'll take two, please. (laughs) Doubled their stock uh, uh, stake in pilot. Um, They now own 80% of pilot stores. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to pilot before, but I've, I've lo- absolutely love their coffee there. It's one of the best experiences when you're on a road trip is to go to a pilot. All right. Look, I I've done truck stops on road trips before, but I would not say I love really any truck stop coffee. The, if you've I've, never tried it before. They've got so many flavors there. It's I, the, yeah, no, I, you, I'm you sorry. Never, have you never tried like the mocha or like the uh, anything? No, like I, I do my, so call me weird. And anyone listening right now, you guys could DM me on Instagram and, and just complain about this next statement, but I do my coffee black. Okay. I do too. No sugar, no nothing. I mean, sometimes I'll do add a little half and half and that's about it, man. I mean, I'll drink the mochas and stuff. When I drink regular coffee, I'll add some sugar to it sometimes too, like a teaspoon or something. But like, I usually drink black coffee as well, but I'm telling you, Next time you drive down south and you hit a pilot, you've got to drink uh, one of the flavored coffees. Ugh. Hey, Ugh. Have you ever had Speedway? Un- unfortunately, yes. Beats it by a hundred times. I-, I I prefer Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks, I I I yeah, I have a a Starbucks app and I I fill that up with uh, dollars every week. Yeah, I like Starbucks too. Yeah, I mean, we did a show from there. Yeah, we did do a show from there. Yeah. Thank you to our our listener who showed up in <laughs> for our live show. Yeah. <laughs> I think we may have actually gotten some people. Like, we got some attention there. We got we a did, lot of people on Facebook watching us, which was good. But, anyways, yeah. they have laid out a succession plan. We we reported on this last year, so this isn't really like big news. Something that we've already known, but they kind of expanded upon it. So his son, Howard, he's going to be the non-executive chairman. Gregory Abel is the vice chairman right now. He oversees Berkshire's non-insurance operations. He's going to be chief executive. Todd Combs and Ted Welshler, who have overseen parts of Berkshire's investment portfolio for years, they will oversee all of it now. Uh, these are all people who's, listen, if, if Warren Buffett does pass away anytime soon or whenever he does, you're going to have a buying opportunity here because if you think that Warren Buffett has not selected or Charlie Munger for that matter, somebody who's going to continue to follow their practices, then I, I think you're just wrong. I, I I concur. And and the best thing about this too, this isn't like, you know, general electric. If, you know, if, uh, if the CEO steps away from there or if Disney steps away, 
it, it's really not going to have that large of an effect because all they have to do is have Warren Buffett's investment ideology and they're fine, right? So they're not going to shift Berkshire Hathaway away from the parks and entertainment sector like, you know, the guy before Bob Iger did in Disney and then try to spill it all into streaming. Like That's not a risk here. So... You know, yeah, I, I would sell I, Disney if Bob Iger left. I, I've said I've said this a thousand times, and so would I. I bought it because Bob Iger joined Disney. There's no reason for me to hold it after Bob Iger if you know he doesn't select a good CEO to replace him or anything. But anyways, um, and there was, Hathaway. there was an interruption in the middle of the Berkshire Hathaway meeting that made no sense at all. So they were voting on a uh, resolution whether they wanted to separate the executive position from the chairman position and kind of split Warren Buffett's power that he has over the company in half. And they gave everybody three minutes to talk. And this guy came up and just like spouted complete nonsense. Don't let your politics get in the way of your investing, okay? Whatever your views on all of that stuff is, it really doesn't matter. And none of that had anything to do with separating Warren Buffett, you know, Warren Buffett's responsibilities. None of it whatsoever. It was a political show. The guy got thrown out. Blah, blah, blah. It made news. Fine. Okay. I don't care. That's it. Whatever your political point of view is, don't let it get in the way of investing. And this guy was going to let it take the most important person that has ever existed in the history of investing and split his power in half over Berkshire Hathaway. I, yeah, I got you. I wouldn't say the most important. I'd say the most influential person in investing in, in stocks. Um, I say I would say uh, for us, it would be you know more of a uh, Alexander Hamilton or Adam Smith had a lot more to do with the uh, how uh, stocks and investing came about in America more than uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, I don't like Hamilton though, but that's all right. Yeah, either or. I, I just don't like. Okay, we can get into that. You, you could be Charlie Munger than my Warren Buffett here. Um, it's fine. We're that's still going to run Berkshire Hathaway to to greatness. That is the sweet. It <laughs> is the sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me, Dave. I'm going to use that for Valentine's card. <laughs> right. I, I tell you what, though, but your point is correct, guys. Uh, Brandon's point here is correct. Whether or not you know we 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 like uh, what that uh, the guy said or not, and I, I I really I find it just awful that he brought that to an investment conference, but whatever. Um, the point is that you know don't let that interfere with making money and investing in your choices. That should be based off the value of the company, and if this company is valuable or undervalue, overvalue. Is it at the right time to buy? Is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to invest? And that's what you should be looking at, not you know what uh, the, all these other things that can get in the way of uh, seeing whether or not the company is actually a good value. There's a good article online about that at chinchillapicking.com by Brandon Beaver. Check it out. Read it in my voice that I just had. Please It'll don't. It'll make it much more entertaining. Oh, right. <sighs> All right, so I guess uh, are you are you done? Am I up next here with <laughs> the few things? Guard, I, I think I think I am. I think I am up next okay. here, and uh, the problem here, I'm I'm kind of stalling out here, guys, because uh, my my computer logged me out of where I was at here. Here we go. Uh, so I want to bring a couple new things. We talked about Bob Iger, right? 
And uh, we talked about uh, his moves at Disney and things he's done to uh, help grow Disney and, and where he's gone at with this. And I mentioned this to Brandon before the show that I was going to bring this up. So I hope you've had plenty of time to come up with some thoughts on this. Uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Disney, when they got into the deal with Hulu to uh, and they started buying a, a stake in Hulu, and they have a big, pretty large stake in Hulu. One, The contract clearly stated by January of 2024, which is now seven months away, seven months, Disney has to make a decision of whether or not to sell their stake or whether or not to buy the rest of Hulu. They cannot just be a part owner. They have to either completely get out or buy the whole thing. Now, a few months back, Iger was mentioned in a kind of hinting at the fact that, uh, you know, they were going to go ahead and sell their stake in Hulu. They didn't want to be any part of that. And the the news that uh, was just come out this week was uh, Bob Iger was going to go ahead and add Hulu content to the Disney Plus platform. Kind of make it for a combined platform for like a one app ex- location or one app experience. And uh, it would be great for especially the ad-supported options for Disney+. Plus. Um, I see this, and, and everybody else on the articles I read today uh, saw this as a, a move by uh, Disney to go ahead and say that, hey, come January, we're just going to buy the rest of Hulu out. And I think that's a good move for Disney um, because of what Hulu brings to the table and, and what they can offer, especially with Hulu Live. Um, which I actually subscribe to Hulu Live. Uh, but I mean, that's a great ad for Disney because then they could control the content that's on Hulu Live for them. Um, and, but if they get rid of my CNBC or any of my other business channels, Bloomberg, I might have to switch. But um, <laughs> for for them, I think it's a great ad for Disney. Brandon, thoughts on that news well, today? For, for a while, they did not have CNBC. And I've been a Google Live subscriber for a very long time. Hulu Live. This is Hulu Live, not Google Live. (laughs) Hulu Live. I've been a a Hulu Live subscriber for a very long time. And at the very beginning, they didn't have CNBC for me. So that used to be frustrating. But let me ask you this question. Have you seen St. X? I, I have not. I know you keep mentioning it, man. I, I believe it or not, I am very busy. <laughs> I have not seen that yet. No, I uh, I wasn't busy this past weekend. I was up at, at a lake, guys. I, I took off to Lake Michigan for a little bit, but um, I have not seen that yet. No. Yeah. On big, my list. Big time. Watch. You have, you've got to watch. It's a really good show. That's a really good one. But I got to tell you, this is one of the reasons why I wanted Disney to begin with, too, other than Bob Iger was the original plan here was for them to actually come into full ownership of Hulu, uh, the second biggest streaming platform uh, in the United States, at least. And um, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to buy it. So I'm glad they're back to that position because I I feel like it's a great idea. I mean, uh, here, here's the counterpoint to that is Disney currently owns 66% of Hulu. Comcast owns the rest. If Disney were to sell, that would be a big giant cash load coming to Disney's way uh, as as well. So, I mean, there is that to look at. That could be a, a large amount of cash coming their way or stock or something else. Some sort of deal worked out um, if they choose to sell. But I, I'm with you. I believe that this is a clear sign that they're going to go ahead and move forward and, and buy Hulu, which I think will make for a great Disney um, joint company come January 2024. So it's a good investment, I would say, at this time, based off the current news and what we know about Disney. I think it's a good investment, especially since they just lost 4 million subscribers in Q2 this year. 
Um, Bob Iger kind of shrugged that off on the uh, earnings. He wasn't too concerned about that because of where the direction he wants the company to go. It wasn't all about just subscriber growth at Disney Plus. There's many as- uh, aspects of the company, and um, he was confident. And uh, I, I have a little more faith in him. I, w- I would say this might be something to add to your watch list and maybe look at building a position, but I'm not going to say an outright call today. I won't do that. I own it. There you go, Brandon. And I'm already it. up on my base position on it, though. So, it's, but I own it. But I, I like it. Um, I like the idea of buying it even right now. If you're going to hold it for a long time, uh, they do have earnings headwinds and and still a lot of a lot of uh, things that they have to clean up from their previous CEO. Uh, and one of the things was the amount of money they were spending on on streaming. So they've shifted some of that back into the parks division. And around to, you know, Disney's core earnings right now. It doesn't surprise me they've lost subscribers in doing so. Right. But I do think that like owning Hulu, like if you want to stay a big player in the streaming, you know, the streaming game, then owning Hulu is a big step in the right direction. Yes, it is. All right. So we both agree on where to go with that news. Um, The next one I want to talk about real quick. And there's a couple things here I want to mention. First off. Two companies involved in this. One is Icon Enterprises, and the other is Hindenburg Research. Now, Hindenburg Research, this is not the first time we've talked about them on the show. And we have talked about them on the show for the exact same reason that we're talking about them right now. Hindenburg Research is well known for doing one thing. They go into a company, they short the company, and then they spread all these news and media reports about that company, about what's going on, because they think, and because uh, either they believe they found something bad in the company or they're just trying to go and spread some media news so that the company goes down and that they, they can make their profit because they shorted the company first. Either way, they short the company first before they release the news releases about what they think they found at the company. Right now, uh, Hindenburg Research, because they've done this before multiple times, so this is not the first company. Guys, do your research. Google this. If you have time, you're listening to this show right now, go home. Hindenburg Research and short selling. And look at all the companies they've done this to. Uh, so it makes me uh, wonder, first of all, right there, that's a, that's a red flag to me. Second of all, uh, they're doing this to Icon Enterprises, which is owned uh, by the chairman of the board is Carl Icon. He's not the sole owner, but I mean, he's a, 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 a founder and one of the big owners of this. Um, they're, they're, they're going in there and they're saying that there's an investigation into some of their, they've overstated some of their holdings and funds and that they don't really, they're not worth what they're worth. So they're saying icon enterprises said, Hey, these positions and everything we owned here is worth a hundred billion, but Hindenburg research is coming in saying they're only worth like 40 billion. They're misrepresented should be fraud here. Let's investigate what's going on. This is the call out. So what happened today? The stock was at $55 before this news came out. Now the stock dropped all the way down to about $30, $29. I think it was the lowest point. At one point today, I texted Brandon, um, and I'll, I, I can share the screenshots if no one believes me, but I texted Brandon, and I was like, I am definitely going to do a call option on Icon Enterprises right now because this is ridiculous. Um I can't see Carl Icahn letting something something like this happen at his company. And Hindenburg Research is just, you know, it's one of these companies that is known for doing these type of things. 
Now, if it is true, it's going to take a while for these things to plan out and play out fully. So I believe we are going to see a bounce up in Icon Enterprises. And I I am currently up in my option right now on this. Um, if I wasn't busy throughout today, I would have posted a video to Instagram, which is what I usually do when I get a quick option like this. So I apologize for that. Um, but this is uh, an option I did play. I currently hold it right now, so I can't sell it again until the market opens tomorrow. But Brandon, I know I just said a lot of words. Your thoughts? Uh, I would sell it just because it might become a battleground stock, but these short sellers, they've targeted Icon in the past. He's got a volatile personality, so he likes to come out uh, very angry and sometimes bury himself even more, at least for the short term. And those short sellers can make a very nice profit while he's doing that until you know the truth comes out and everybody levels out and starts to think rationally. Um, the only short selling company that I pay attention to, and there might be more that are honorable, but the one that I like the most is Citron Citron Research. So I'm going to pay attention to a short selling company at Citron. Uh, they're very respected on Wall Street. They're very respected um, and have a long, long term track record of generally being right. So I don't know much about Hindenburg. It, I'm, what a weird name to pick, by the way. Well, over humanity. I, I don't know. Is that was it after the Hindenburg? Because it's going down in flames, and they're a short selling company that tried to find bad news about a company and then short short the position and then report the bad news. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they're probably just targeting Icon because they know he can be an easy target sometimes. I mean, That's the it. stock dropped a, a large amount, so uh, I I mean, if I was them, I'll be uh, relieving myself of that short position because they've made money and they're profitable. On the on it, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, not enough of those guys uh, get to you know face the heat on their on on what they say. Not enough, not enough of them are investigated, really. Exactly, and and this is not the first time something like this has happened. If you're listening to our show, and you probably have heard the name Jim Cramer, Jim Cramer, there's a video out there of him actually admitting to doing this as a hedge fund uh, manager, where he called in a favor to his CNBC hosts and asked him to report on a news story about a company that he was short in. And then he, the, the host reported his stock went down. Jim Cramer sold, made his money and got out. We did a whole episode on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is not, so this is not something that is, doesn't ever happen. This happens all the time, guys. He used to talk uh, Apple, Jim Cramer. Yeah. Right. And so this, these, these things happen and, Unfortunately, I think that's what's happening with here with Hindenburg versus Icon Enterprises. But I, I quickly moved on it and I quickly uh, am currently up in my uh, option. We'll see if I stay up come 930, but uh, <laughs> currently up. You never know. It's risky to hold options overnight like that if you're a day trader like myself. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, final thoughts, Brandon. Final thoughts. Uh, you know, just be rational when times are irrational. That's my final thought. I mean... You're going to have to pry Berkshire Hathaway away from my cold dead hands. I'm probably going to be passing that down to somebody. I don't know if I'll ever sell it. Right. Well, I mean, with your bad habits, you could pass it down to me. It's okay. <laughs> it's <possible>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dave, in five years, you'll be the proud owner. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, you could always be the Charlie Munger to my horror puppet. <laughs> That's what I'm going to get out of the show. Me coming up with that line. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my final thoughts, guys, is uh, take a look at the Icon Enterprises. It's probably too late to go in and get in these options right now, but I believe it might even be a good uh, swing trade, not a day trade, but a swing trade. A swing trade is something in between a day trade and an investment. 
um, or it usually lasts two to six weeks, somewhere in that range. It might be a good swing trade opportunity here for Icon Enterprises um, to go ahead and buy that. So that's one thing uh, I would definitely recommend out there. Take a look at, do your own research. Don't just take my word for it, but that's one one I would put out there. Um, as always, I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm continuing to watch Bitcoin. If it drops below 25, right, might be something I uh, go ahead and uh, invest in because right moves pretty heavily against Bitcoin. Um, but Bitcoin's holding steady and there's those big wagers out there on where Bitcoin's going to head by the end of the year. I don't know if you guys have been hearing this, but billionaires have been wagering millions of dollars of their money on where Bitcoin is headed. There's been lots of articles on it. It's ridiculous. It's getting out of hand, guys. Thank you for rubbing all of your money in our face. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that like the smart money thing, it's just, just a, it's just a myth. Somebody bought uh, an NFT last year for $67 billion. I heard about this on CNBC today. Right. It's probably worth like, you know, a, a dollar now. Yeah. Um, but uh, kudos to the guy who created that NFT and sold it. Um, yeah. Right. Good for him or, or her. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got guys. Be careful out there. Listen, do your research, pay attention and, uh, read, read up, read up, read up and listen to some of these earnings reports. I know they're kind of boring, but that's what Brandon and I do. That's where we get all of our knowledge. That's where we get, like, I heard this CEO say this one time. It's because we listen to these earnings reports and we read, uh, but all right, guys, uh, thank you for listening. As always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night. For example, has been seen with Jeffrey Epstein after he was convicted of